It is a beautiful day, isn't it not? And uh, I, I just get charged up when, it, when everything's kind of aligning where it's nice out, we're going to have good food today, we're going to have some baptisms. I mean, that's fun to get excited about, is it not? How do we get to a place where we have that kind of joy and excitement every day just because we know Jesus and get to be in his presence? Because then everything else everything else is just icing on the cake, isn't it? So what we're going to do, we, we're starting this, we started this series a couple weeks ago called Living God's Love Out Loud, and that's the name of the art gathering that we're having here. But I thought it would be good for us to do some prep work, so we're kind of ahead of the curve when we get there. Um, because this is the most important thing, right? Isn't it every call on every Christian life to live the love of Jesus out loud and who they are? Beyond just words, but in relationship and character and deed and all of those things. So the first week, we talked about the key to living God's love out loud in all situations. And the key is this. We must come to a place where we're magnificently and beautifully obsessed with Jesus. And I use that word obsessed because, one, in, in our culture, that kind of has more of a negative connotation, doesn't it? Or unhealthy results. I'm obsessed with video games that will fry my brain. Or this person keeps stalking me, they're obsessed, Morgan, right? <laughs> I love him, by the way, so, right? And, and so there's this sense when you're, when you're obsessed with something in a healthy way, you're intentional, you go after it, you always want to be around it. Can we get to a place where Jesus is all we want before we want anything else? When we have trouble identifying where he is, we do everything we can to identify. We keep seeking him out. We keep uh, training to be more discerning so we know where he is and where he's not. Are we going to be that kind of people where it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day long? That's the key to living God's love out loud. And then last week, Mark talked about how do we live his love out loud in the workplace? How many of you were affected by that one way or the other? That was here, right? Isn't it challenging? When you work with challenging people, and especially people that don't have a context for Jesus, it can be tricky on how to minister to them. But Mark showed us that just through being available, being accessible, allows people to see Jesus within you. He told some stories where guys' lives were changed that probably would not step into a church but they would step into relationship with Mark because he was safe, and Mark gave access, gave them access to himself. How many have heard the Good Samaritan story in Scripture? Okay? How many have heard it in Sunday school, if those of you that grew up in church? All right? Good Samaritan. What, what do you think about when you think of that story? Go ahead. Judgment. Judgment. Okay. Yeah. What else? Huh? Generous, you're being generous, help someone in need maybe, right? What? Compassion. I was in Huntington Beach a couple years ago and I was asked uh, by a pastor friend of mine to, to preach at his church and it was on what, it, what does it mean to be a good neighbor? And in this, this church, this little community, they went, man, they went all out for this thing because... My buddy was coming down the aisle like this, singing in character. I mean, he wasn't breaking a smile, nothing. The Mr. Rogers, won't you be my neighbor, 
right? He's coming down. They're setting it up. I mean, he's changing his shoes, his coat, and every, I mean, everything, you know? And of course, me, I'm kind of sinking in my chair going, oh my goodness. That's judgment, by the way, which is unhealthy, which is what we'll talk about today. But I've heard this story so many times, and one of the things that is key to understand is that at the, at the center of it, the Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan because he gives, no matter who it was, broken, whole, didn't matter, he gave him complete access to himself and his resources. So when we think about loving out loud, when we think about those things, it's about giving people access to who we are, to who Jesus is within us. You're giving them access, you're giving them full rights to be where you are and to know you. Now, that takes a step-by-step. I'm not saying you blurt out all your secrets and all your things, but you're allowing them to enter a dialogue with you. You're allowing yourself to be known step-by-step. You're starting the process. And so we're in this series of learning to do that in all these different contexts. And today, we're gonna talk about how do we love out loud within the church? Before we go to the lost, how do we love those we've been sitting next to, shoulder to shoulder with? Because let me tell you, that's a mission field. That's a mission field. So what I want to do now is I want to play a game, okay? I'm going to show you a picture, and I want you to tell me what emotion it is they're emoting, okay? I have my answer, and you'll have different answers, but at the end of the day, I have the microphone. So... Here we go. Surprise. What else? Fear. Dismay. What? Anything else? Shock. Yeah, I only came up with fear when I went through. <laughs> so shock, surprise. Yeah, fear. Okay, fear, shock, surprise. Whoa. And if you've seen the movie, the context was he was in pain. <laughs> but yeah, there's this sense of fear. Okay. <laughs> what do you see here? Distraction. Someone said confusion, right? Boredom. Well, when you got a bunch of mob guys dressed like friars, they're going to be a little bored, right? Okay. Distracted. Okay. They're a little distracted here. Some said, oh, they're looking at their Bible. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> Who knows? What do you see here? Huh? Weird. Yep, that's true. Boredom. Yes. Absolutely. God bless him. He's trying to stay present, right? (laughs) Do what he can to be there. What? He's tired. Yeah. Tired of the sermon or tired when he got there. I don't know. All right. What do you see here? Rejection. What else? What? Despair. Oppression. Depression. What else do you see? Broken. Lonely. Isolated. Given up. Shame. Hopeless. Isn't it interesting that this posture provokes the most variety of responses? Every posture that you just saw, every piece of body language you can see in the church, right? You see the people that are fearful. You see the people that are bored. 
you see the people that are distracted, right? Like I see you boys right here, the distracted part. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> right? And then you see this posture of heart where it's basically woundedness. And name your wound. And this is what you see in the church. You'll see this rampant in the church, not just the lost, but those who claim they're found and have been in Jesus still are wounded and broken. So we have to ask ourselves, are we an environment, are we a church body that gives permission for all the different things we saw without judgment, but an open dialogue to walk alongside one another? Because let me tell you something. We are not finished products. And this side of heaven, you're not going to be a finished product. And so how do we love one another knowing that? Because if, we're, if we think we're a finished product, we're not going to be open to what the Spirit wants to do in us and through us because we are told in 2 Corinthians that we're being transformed with ever-increasing what? Glory. Being transformed, it means it's continually happening. And so we cannot afford to treat people, especially in the church, like we're finished products. Because then that, what that does, it makes room for judgment. Who's afraid of connecting because they're afraid of being judged? Me. Who else? It's okay. Yeah, right? And sometimes that prevents us from loving within these walls because we're afraid. There's a danger thing that goes on. Because we're great, we are great at judging as the church. And I mean generally, the church generally. We are, we're great at it. We're great um, morality code police. We're great at it. We can point out who's doing something wrong from a million miles away, right? And we're great at communicating it. Sharon, shame on you. You lied to me. God have mercy on your soul. Hey, you feel loved and encouraged there, by the way? Right? There are some people that do that. And it hurts. And it causes wounds, the way we communicate. But see, that's, that's a walk that isn't always present with Jesus. It's not to say there's not moments of it. But Jesus has to be the first love. He absolutely has to be the first love. If he's not the first love, then we are not going to know how to love people. So here's the key passage that we're going to go through today. And I, I, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to hear it. I want to bless you with it. I want you to just receive this. And because we complicate Jesus, but Jesus is pretty simple about what he wants from us. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I want to read that again. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone everyone who loves 
has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God himself is love. Pretty basic. How many believe that you can approach God with anything? Okay. Raise your hand if, if you have been walking with Jesus. You believe in Jesus? Okay. Now raise your hand again if you believe you can go to God with anything. Okay. God himself is love. That is a foundation of the universe. Foundational. He is love. He's not the feeling of it. He is love. We experience feelings from his love poured out on us, but he is love himself. So that being said, when we step into relationship with Jesus, that means we're stepping in with an untainted, unconditional relationship with love. Yes? If God is approachable with anything, and he is love, and his love is within us, should we be approachable to anybody and respond in a way that speaks of the glory of God? Yes, that's how it should be. And that takes practice. It takes discernment, knowing where God is and where he's not. And we're gonna look in Romans in just a minute to show what it looks like when we love God We love out loud what it looks like, how it's fleshed out. But remember, we are the light of the world because we, because Jesus is the light of the world and he within us makes us a light unto the world, scripture tells us. Which means people should be stepping into a safe place because that safe place is the atmosphere of the love of Jesus. And there are a lot of things that go on in the church and have that have wounded people. How many have been wounded by the church at one point in your life? Yeah, (laughs) me too. How many of you know someone that's been wounded? You know, Mark said something last week that he was ministering to a group of Harley guys that would never step foot into a church, but will step into a conversation with him. Why is it that gangs... The KKK, other organizations like that, or organizations that don't reflect the love of God, have better community and are safer for their members than the church is for people who don't know Jesus. Because the truth of the matter is, there were studies done that gang members get a better sense of community and fellowship than people who are in the church. Isn't that sad? And that's why they stay. And for most gangs, you get jumped in meaning, and jumped out, meaning they beat you up to get in and they beat you up to get out. We do that a little bit. It's different. And I just mean what the reputation has been because I'm going to brag on Bridgewood in a minute, so know that's coming. It's sad when the church no longer has a voice in our country because we're not safe because we've lost our first love. I don't even, I don't even know anymore what's what in the church, it seems like. I got a good friend, you know, that's going to seminary 
And it's a seminary that has nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. But it's his religious studies supposedly about Jesus, but they don't do anything with Jesus. And that's the church. And I asked him about, and he said the church isn't safe for him. But I will tell you this. My wife and I, Shanna and I, heard the call of God to come here. And when we did, the first time we visited, I was in tears because I'm like, this place is safe. Because at the very core and foundation, Jesus is the main thing. We can lose that sometimes. But God knows that. He, he walks with us in that. He gets us where we need to be. He speaks to us about those things. And this is not about getting it perfectly, but it's understanding that Jesus all the time has to be our obsession because if he's not our obsession, we'll miss him. And if we miss him, we won't be a safe place for people. We won't be a safe place for the person to your left or to your right. Because I'll tell you what, one of the greatest things that we are good at as the church is judgment and gossip, right? And then we call gossip just venting. Who's done that? I've done that. I'm processing. Can I just process with you? Yeah, Joe Schmo over here, he did all this bad stuff. Tell a friend, don't do that. Actually, I'm venting. We do a lot of things backwards. But it's what happens when we go after behavior and we go after systems rather than Jesus. Because when we're in Jesus, he develops the culture. When we're in Jesus, he develops the behavior. When we're in Jesus, he's the one that sets the programs. And when I say that, I don't mean so that they serve man, but they serve his purposes. When we're in and with Jesus. There are people to your left and to your right that you may not know. And part of love is going after the one. Part of love is going after the one. We can get so overwhelmed when we think about loving the people next to us because there's so many. But what do we do every Sunday and what we hope to do every day? Lord, what, what do you want to say to me? How do you want me to respond? And he'll give you a name. And some of you are already doing this. And you walk over and say, hey, you want to go to coffee? You don't point out and go, you know... I can see you're down, so can I take you to coffee? But you say, the Lord's put you on my heart because he has, right? That's a, that's a practical first step. Because there are people in our congregation that don't know people in, first, in second service that don't know people in first service. And that just happens because when you're a bigger church or medium or large church, it happens. But that's why we ask the question, Lord, who do you want to put on my heart? Because he'll answer that. And you go after That's a first step. But let me paint you a picture of what it looks like when we're with Jesus. And I want you to close your eyes and I want you to imagine a place like this. Close your eyes or open your eyes, whatever you do to focus. And I won't have this on the screen because I want you to hear it. And for the visual learners, I apologize. Visualize it. (laughs) From Romans 12, verses 9 through 18. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. That does not mean hate the person doing evil. Because that person is your mission. It means the evil that you see, you hate, 
And you bring Jesus to that person because that's the only good you can do. It's the greatest good you can do. So hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Be committed, obsessed with one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's a challenging one. Lift them up above you. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord in the greatest way that you can serve the Lord first is allowing him to love you. Because that's what he wants the most, is you. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. That does not mean just physical needs. That's spiritual needs. That's emotional needs. If someone needs your presence, we offer ourselves because that is a good neighbor. That is what the body of Christ is for. Scripture after scripture tells us how to support and encourage one another within the body, not just the broken. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That's there twice. Why do you think that is? Entitlement can kill us, can it? Someone does something to me, curse you. But Jesus calls us to bless them, which is not an easy thing. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not pay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, listen to this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, meaning the responsibility is in your choices, it's in your hands, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that connects, connects with live Uh, in harmony with one another. And let me tell you this, us as Minnesotans, that does not mean be passive aggressive until a problem goes away. That's not peace and that's not harmony. Pushing someone under your thumb until they submit does not create peace and it does not create harmony. Remember, Jesus sits in the tension of the natural two reactions that we normally have about a situation, oftentimes. He can go, you know, passive aggressive doesn't work. That doesn't bring about peace because then there's no dialogue. Bullying your way to an answer, that doesn't bring peace. That doesn't bring harmony because there's no dialogue. I sit in the middle. You come to me. You come to one another. And in love, we don't have to be defensive and we don't have to be aggressive. We can share and hear and live at peace with one another because Jesus is our mediator. He's our counselor. He's the one that we lean on. He's the one that we go to. And he brings reconciliation. That's what it means to be at peace with one another, to live in harmony with one another. None of this happens if Jesus is not the center of our center. We have an opportunity today to fellowship. We're going to celebrate a few baptisms Hallelujah, angels rejoicing, we're rejoicing. But we get to break bread together. We get the uncomfortable task of meeting new people. But it will bring joy to us because it brings joy to Jesus. 
And when we're obsessed with him, we're obsessed with with what he's obsessed about. And that's you. That's me. Imagine if we are to live this out in such a way that when people come in, which they do, and which we've heard reports from different churches, different churches are sending people here that are broken because they feel it's safe. And it may not be safe for everyone, but the people that have experienced what Jesus is doing here, not because of me, not because, but because of us collectively allowing Jesus to be Lord of our lives, people feel safe and can get healing. One of the ways we do that is through soul care. But it's not just the trained that God uses to bring healing. It's all of you. It's all of us for one another. We have to love one another. We have to give access to ourselves to one another. That's church family. Because I'll tell you what, the world has a different picture of the church than the one Romans paints. And I believe we're on our way to that. I believe that we're on our way to continually being a safe place. And it takes hard work because submitting what we want for what God wants is hard. It is. How many find that challenging every moment of every day? But guess what? There's grace. Jesus isn't expecting flawlessness from you. He's expecting desire. And he's expecting us to seek him and want to be with him. I heard it said that, you know, the Christian walk is like taking two steps forward and then four steps backwards. If it's about flawlessness, it's about getting it right every time, that's true. But if it's about drawing near to him and allowing his grace to lead us through life in a way where, yeah, we can fail, but we get back up and we continue to walk with him and learn, then we're always moving forward with Jesus. If Jesus is the one we're always turning to, no matter how many times we may miss the mark. If we understand that as a people about Jesus' character, then then we'll communicate that to the people around us. So they're no longer coming into judgment and condemnation. They're coming into grace and mercy. Does that mean we condone? No, but it means we can have a conversation about it that isn't threatening, that isn't shaming, and that doesn't wound people. I heard it said, based off some studies, and I don't remember what the studies were, but the number one mission field in America is the church. That's, that, it's backwards. That's not to shame, that's reality. But Jesus changes the reality. We don't do it, he does it. In us and through us. Remember, first love, I'm going to say it over and over. Say it like three times, and then I want you to say it like a hundred times when you leave this place. Jesus needs to be our first love. Jesus needs to be our first love. Jesus needs to, needs to be our first love. Revelation says that. When we're lost, go back to your first love, which is Jesus. Which is, that saying in itself is a sign of his grace. When you feel you walked away, get back to what brought you in. Me. Not me, me, but you know, Jesus. So this is an exhortation more than it is a sermon because some of you might be thinking, maybe not, but some people have thought either in or outside of our, our body, when are we going to slow down on the Jesus being a center and Jesus be, you know, us being with them? I'm just going to answer that now so you don't ever have to ask. Never. 
Because the moment we stop talking about Jesus, we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble. Whether you know it or not, whether you've heard it a million times, we're going to continue to hear it because every day it's hard living with Jesus. That doesn't stop. So we have to be encouraged because we're told that the church, the church comes together to encourage one another. Acts 2.42 talks about how the people came together. They ate together. They were in each other's homes. They were expressing to one another, supporting one another, loving one another because life in Jesus is hard and life tests what you know and what we know is Jesus and we want to know him deeper and more in a more meaningful way in our own lives and watch him transform us with ever increasing glory which means the world is going to be at our front door, our back door and our side door and we have got to continue to make him the center of our center so that we no longer become like the world. So I say again, Jesus must be our first love. The moment you stop hearing that from me, fire me. The moment it becomes something other than Jesus, you gotta let me know. And if it's a pink slip, okay. Amen? All right, so we're gonna go to this picnic today. Some of you won't, some of you will. But regardless, let's continue to engage one another within the church family. Because when you start ministering out there, you want, you want your family with you. You want the encouragement. You want you to know you have a safe place to go to. You want to know that you have a group of people that are going to love you no matter what, encourage you, and not condemn you. We're going to make mistakes, and we're going to make them knowingly and unknowingly. But how we respond to that together is what is going to really determine what we're about. So pray with me, please. Lord, we give you thanks and praise that uh, you love us in a way we have not fully realized. I thank you that through you we have eternity to experience it, swim in it. Or some of us are tired, down to the marrow. Our souls are tired. So tired, in fact, we get tired of playing the Christian games. We get tired of the false expectations. Some of us are wounded. Some of us are are in desperate need of a fresh wind of your presence. I thank you that you guarantee when we're with you and we go after you, we receive all those things and much more. We'll receive healing, hope, and joy, and rest. Lord, make us more than just a hospital for the broken. We want to be that. We want to be a safe place, but help us also be a place where people can find encouragement, support, and family. The Bible from beginning to end is about family. It's about relationship. It's as simple as that. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We ask that you bless our offering. We ask that we would uh, remember that you, everything we have is yours. Everything. All we are is yours. And when it comes with walking with you, that's the challenge is laying all that down at your feet. But give us courage. Bless our time in worship. 
for those who need prayer, um, I want to encourage you to receive prayer. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a way you can let people love you, even if you think you're undeserving. So we thank you, Jesus. We pray for joy at the picnic, fun and excitement, and good fellowship in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for your